Welcome to the King's Church Warrington podcast. Inspirational teaching from our Sunday celebrations. So this morning we're starting a new series called Naturally Supernatural. And I'd like to to open up that series this morning by um, asking us to think a little bit about uh, grace and truth, as Mike just said. In the context particularly of our value C, which you all will know is community of committed relationships. Um, We've got five values here at King's, and you'll all know this already. Value A, which is all involved. Value B, believing in doing what the Bible says. Value C, that we're going to think about this morning, um, community of committed relationships. Value D, doing evangelism. And value E, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So as we look through the Bible, um, we see that there are two main themes that run through God's word. And those themes are the themes of covenant and kingdom. You've probably heard us talk about them before here at King's. Covenant talks about relationship. It's about our relationship with God and with people. And um, as Abby um, sort of hinted to, earlier we have a nice little triangle that helps us to remember what that's all about um with covenant we remember that god is our father that he loves us that he protects us that he provides for us and as his children he gives us identity so we believe that we're adopted that we're called that we're beloved that we're one in Jesus, and that's our identity in God the Father. And from that identity, that allows us to walk in obedience. Because we're secure in who we are, we're then able to step out and follow God's commands, trust his promises, and be secure in his love for us. So that's covenant. Kingdom, the other theme, refers to responsibility. And that is largely how we represent God to the world. He gives us that that privilege of representing him to the world. And uh, with kingdom, we remember that Jesus is king, that he reigns, that he's sovereign, and that he gives us authority. When he speaks the Great Commission to us, when he says, go into the world and make disciples. He's given us that authority to go and represent him to the world. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he gives us the power to do what God has asked us to do. He gives us the power to perform miracles, signs and wonders in his name. So value C that we're thinking about this morning embraces both of those themes. As we journey with God and with re- in, in relationship with other people, we have the responsibility also of representing him to the world. The perfect example, obviously, of somebody living out value C is Jesus, isn't it? He has the perfect relationship with his father and he represents him completely accurately to us, to the world. In the book of John, um, John begins by explaining to us 
a little bit about Jesus's relationship with his father. It says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So in the beginning, Jesus was with his father in perfect relationship and he was God. Jesus fully understands this, his relationship, his identity is completely secure and that enables him to act out of obedience as the father sends him. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus looks to heaven, he sees what heaven is like and then he brings that kingdom to earth. We are called to do the same thing. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these. So I think when we, um, we think about value C, I guess we think about, you know, it's largely about people. It's how we, how we are together as people. Um, not so long ago, I... Um, completed a thing called the five-fold questionnaire. A lot of you here will have done it. Um, but just to briefly explain what that means, if you're not familiar with it, it's um, a questionnaire, obviously, that you, you answer lots of questions. And at the end, you look at you know what you've answered and w- in what way. And it helps you to, to discern what is your main, your base gift. Now, when we refer to the five-fold, what we're talking about is the five Uh, gifts that are referred to in Ephesians, it talks about them in Ephesians chapter 4, that God gave to the church to help to build up the church. And they are the gifts of apostle, teacher, prophet, evangelist, and pastor. Sometimes we refer to pastor as shepherd, um, but it's the same thing, pastor or shepherd. And when we talk about base gift, we're talking about, well, the, the way I remember it is when we think about our base gift, it's something that we can't help but do. Whereas the other four are something that we can't do without help. It's usually an easy way of, of remembering it. And um, when I did the questionnaire, um, my base gift came out as pastor. Um, and I, I suppose I thought, well, you know, it just it means that I can get on with people quite well most of the time. Um, but I think sometimes we can we can think about that gift in a bit of a lesser way. We can uh, minimise it maybe a little bit, possibly because it's perceived as quite common. The gift of, of pastoring is conceived uh, perceived as quite common, or maybe that it's less challenging. We we can sometimes think, or maybe that it's just easier to deploy. We we you know we're used to kind of people looking after us and and doing things for us. Um, But I think we we need to remember that it's a gift from God. And as such, it's vital in advancing his kingdom. God's given us this gift to build up his church and advance his kingdom. Um, We remember, don't we, that Jesus modelled this gift as well. And the impact it had when Jesus modelled this gift. If we just remember 
as Jesus knelt down before the disciples and washed their feet. You know, what an impact that had as he served those people. The word pastor, uh, this is when I'm going to get a bit technical now, is derived from the Latin verb passer, I think it means, I think it says, which means to lead to pasture, to set to grazing, or to cause to eat. So pastoring is both nurturing and missional. It's about caring, it's about guiding, and it's also about leading. It involves relationship and responsibility. Jesus, after all, is the perfect pastor. He says, I am the good shepherd. And he tells us that the shepherd calls his sheep by name and leads them out. He doesn't say that the pastor goes to where the sheep are and sits down and looks after them there. He says that he leads them out. He leads them from a place of darkness, from a place of brokenness, from a place of danger, sometimes even from a place of death. The care that, that Jesus brings and models brings about change, it brings about restoration, and it brings about transformation. I think one of the the most powerful accounts of Jesus um, demonstrating his pastoral capability is in John 11. And in this story, we meet Jesus' friends. We meet Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And the story tells us, first of all, it begins by telling us about their relationship, of how um, Jesus spends time with this family. We know that he spends time with his family from... Um, the way the text, the verses are written. And John even records in verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we know that this was a community of love and nurture and time spent together. But when Lazarus becomes unwell, the sisters immediately send for Jesus, saying in verse 3, Lord, the one you love is sick. I guess it's fair to say that, um, that most of us here will have gone through at one time and another a time of crisis, maybe a time of, of ill health um, for yourselves, maybe somebody in your family, a uh, time of bereavement maybe, um, of um, financial difficulty, maybe relationship breakdown. And when we go through those times of, of difficulty, we look for comfort and we look for support, don't we? Um, a few years ago, um, just before our eldest son was due to get married, Tony, my husband, became quite unwell. Um, he's got a condition that sometimes affects his immune system, and it can cause times of flare-up. And uh, this is what happened back in, in 2016. It, the condition flared up, and um, Tony went into kidney failure and had to be admitted to hospital, so... It was quite a difficult time. You know, it was a time when, as a family, we were looking forward to a lovely wedding and it being a nice summer and everything being bright and breezy. And um, things, you know, changed to it being quite a difficult season. But as you will all be aware, sometimes these things just come along, don't they? And they take the wind out of your sails. And, uh, you know, you just have to continue. But what really helped us 
at that time was the support we had from King's Church. And that support was from across the church, and it came in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. Um, our missional community trackings, they, they prayed and fasted for healing for Tony, as did other people. We received gifts of food, of meals. Uh, people came and helped with the kids. Remember, Sue took Grace to dance for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, David uh, used to take Joseph, our other son, down to watch Liverpool play because nobody could take him. Um, Carl would just come sometimes and sit with Tony, just be with him, just watch the footy with him. Um, and people even came and cut the grass. It was amazing. And the support that we received was life-giving and life-changing. Because for us as a family at that time, it just meant that we could keep moving forward. Be a little bit slower, but we kept on moving forward. One of the biggest things, I think, for me, personally, during that time, that helped was communication. That people continued to communicate with me, um, asking me, you know, what they could do or offering specific uh, offers of help for specific things. Um, But it was really important that that communication was still there. It helped us just to to keep going and and feel connected as well. Because when you're in a time of crisis, it's so easy, isn't it, to become disconnected from, you know normal life if you like and it's important isn't it that when somebody's going through um, a difficult time we keep the communication going with them and it's easy to think well you know I don't know what to say I don't want to say the wrong thing maybe I'm better saying nothing than saying the wrong thing Um, but in my experience people communicating with you in whatever way, is is the best thing. It it keeps that connection um, with other people. And in our missional communities and our, you know, our missional households, the communities that we're in, we can actually be proactive in that. We can actually give permissions. And what I mean by that is we can look at our boundaries, not in times of crisis, in, you know, in the good times, we can look at our boundaries and think, are there people that we will allow in a little bit closer so that if trouble comes along, and sometimes it's, it's when trouble comes along, isn't it? They have the permission to come in and say, how are you doing? Let me walk beside you. Let me help you with this. I'd like you to just think for a minute, actually, um, for your own situation, Do you have at least one, maybe two people who are in the body of Christ or the followers of Jesus that you um, have given permission to, to hold you accountable? People who you know will be brave enough, I guess, to, to come and speak to you if you're becoming a little bit disconnected or if you're going through a difficult time and it's hard for you to connect. Are there a couple of people that you've just given those permissions to, who feel comfortable to do that. And if there's not, I would really encourage you to pray into that, to ask God to show you 
a couple of people that you can just go give those permissions to um, that will be able to do that and help you uh, if you need that. It appears that um, Mary and Martha had some good solid support around them at their time of difficulty. But most importantly, when Lazarus became ill, they recognised their need for Jesus. In this story, by the time Jesus arrives, sadly, it was to hear the news that he was too late, that Lazarus had uh, passed away a few days earlier and been laid in the tomb by the family. And the story tells us that as he arrives, Mary runs out to meet him and she falls at his feet and she weeps. Now in this moment, we know, don't we, that Jesus is completely in control of that situation. Jesus, who knows the end from the beginning, stands in the middle of his friends and he knows how this story is going to end. And yet he stops. And he takes the time to share that moment with his friends. John writes that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit. He felt their pain. He felt their sorrow. He felt their brokenness. He could have easily, in that moment, moved on used his power, displayed his glory. And he would have been well within his rights to do that, wouldn't he? But he didn't. He embraced their situation and he poured out his love and compassion on his friends. Verse 35 tells us that Jesus wept. Why? Well, I think it's because his love for us is perfect. It's a perfect love. It understands the depth of human experience. It's a love that understands our pain and our loss, and he meets us right in the middle of it. He doesn't gloss over it or rush past it, but he's present through every moment of it. Time's something in our culture, isn't it, that we seem to have less and less of every day. Our culture demands that we're busy and we're, our diaries are full and we're, we're doing everything that we possibly can to live life to the full. But sometimes we just need to stop and be. We need to be with the people we love, with the people that we're trying to do life with, the people who just need someone to be with them at that time. And Jesus recognizes this, doesn't he? He recognises the need to stop and be with Mary and Martha and experience what they're experiencing. This shows commitment and it shows covenant. It deepens their relationship and it strengthens their bond. However, this story doesn't end there. We read on that Jesus continues over to the tomb where they've laid the body. And he instructs his sisters, take away the stone, the stone that was in front of the tomb. In the midst of their mourning, Jesus brings Mary and Martha a challenge. We can't do that, they say. We can't do that. We can't take the stone away. The body's been there for four days. Imagine 
the smell. We can't do that. People will be offended if we do that. We, we, we don't want to upset anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. Isn't it interesting that sometimes in the middle of the most difficult of situations, we would rather stay where we are than move on and respond to the challenge of moving forward? But Jesus knows that in this situation, a challenge is exactly what the sisters need. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? He replies to Mary and Martha. And they realize in that moment that they've got to make a choice. Do they believe that God can bring restoration, hope, new life to the situation? Or do they stay with the familiar, with the broken, with the loss? Sometimes the most loving response in a situation is to bring a challenge. Do you believe? Or are you willing to believe even sometimes? Jesus promises us, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live How do we help those we love to live? Well, we lead them, we guide them, and we call them back to the only one who can bring life into a situation to Jesus. We call him back to his promises, to his presence, and to his power. So Jesus leads the sisters to a place where life can be. He brings a challenge. Remove the stone. Let go of the thing that represents death, that represents brokenness, that represents loss. And take hold of me. Take hold of life. As we care for each other, we have a responsibility, don't we? To lead. To lead them to pastures, to cause them to eat. Well, we know how the story ends. The sisters do take a step of faith, and Jesus calls out new life. life. Lazarus, come out, he says. And out of death, he brings glorious life. Our supernatural God invites us to partner with him as we naturally use the supernatural gifts that he's given to us. As we share our lives with others and as we give them permissions to be part of our lives during the good times and the not so good times. As we gift each other with our time and as we make space for each other, sometimes sacrificing our own glory for their comfort. And as we bring the challenge to believe, to choose life, And to let the stone go. To see the resurrection. So, in conclusion, how is God asking you to use the pastoral gifts that he's given to you? Are there people in your life that you need to give permission to at the moment? How could you use your time to invest in those who God has put in your life at this time.
Or do you need to raise the challenge? Is there a situation where you need to raise the challenge? Maybe for some of you at the moment, it's about letting go of the stone and choosing life, taking hold of life. It'd be good to just pray for a minute. If there's anything that, um, that this morning that you, you feel that God has been stirring in your heart, maybe reminding you of something that you're thinking about, I'd really like to pray with you this morning. If it's about your pastoral gifting or um, giving permissions to people, if it's about stepping out, and taking hold of life, letting go of, of the brokenness, I'd like to do that. I'd like to pray with you this morning. So if, you, if, if there is anything, especially, I just want to encourage you just to make a response in your heart now. If you, if you want to stand up, that would be brilliant. I'd love to pray for you specifically um, if you stand up. If you just want to respond to God and what he's saying to you this morning, can be through um, something that you felt during the worship and the prophetic words that we heard, or from the experience that Abby and Manu spoke about. But just ask the Holy Spirit to, to remind you of that. So, Father, we we really thank you for the gifts that you give us um, to build up your church. We we thank you for the gift of of being a pastor or being a shepherd, that gift that brings with it um, a responsibility as well as a privilege to have relationship with other people. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that if you're asking us to step out in any area with that this morning, that you will help us to have the courage. I think Abby said, didn't she, that what she loves is that when people step out and become, start to become all that they can be in God. And I pray that, Lord, for people this morning, that they will have the courage to take those steps in whichever area it is. That you'll equip them and you'll bless them. You'll give them your grace and you'll show them your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.